Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of The Facts of Life, and then I hit record and we talk about the show and anything and everything else we can think of. Uh, Still weird audio right now, I'm aware. That's because I'm still in the villages, just finishing up the run of this uh, fun little uh, Cole Porter review that I'm doing up here. I will be back in Orlando in the quote-unquote studio starting next week. And uh, in the meantime, you get this lovely sound, which I don't even really know what it's going to sound like in the final product. We will discover that together, won't we? My guest this week is Tim Williams. Tim is an actor, director, a voiceover artist. When you hear his voice, you'll be like, yeah, that's a guy that should be doing voiceover work. Um, We talk in the show about uh, when we work together and my first impressions of him, uh, but mostly we work together at Citizens of Hollywood at, at the wonderful Walt Disney World. And we've done a couple of plays together. He's directed me in a couple of shows and we've... I enjoyed a a lovely professional relationship as well as a really nice friendship. And he is truly one of the most extraordinary actors in Central Florida, whether he's doing a Shakespeare drama, a Neil Simon comedy, uh, interactive improv. uh, And then you go and see him do a production of Billy Bishop Goes to War, and you're like, oh, he sings too. Jesus. Anywho, you will get to know Tim. As we proceed, Tim and I watched Season 3, Episode 13. It's called The Americanization of Miko. And the original air date was January 20th, 1982. I think we're ready to jump on in, guys. Let's face the facts with Tim Williams. Well, welcome, Tim Williams. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is fun. Okay. Yeah. We are I got a belly full of uh, Oreo cookies and sandwich meat. Exactly. So I'm but if, if Matthew Arter asks, I did not feed you, because <laughs> oh. Matthew claims that I do not feed him when he oh. comes here. Well, I do, but he claims that I don't, and he gives me shit for what I serve other people. Then I will not tell him then, that you had a smorgasbord, <laughs> <laughs> a smorgasbord. No, shh, no, I can't possibly edit that out. And pickles. <laughs> And uh, giving the pickles to Tim Williams has been a long-time fantasy of mine. And it finally came true. Yes. That's another podcast. Yes. (laughs) Well, I am so thrilled we were supposed to do this uh, last season. or this is last year, yeah. A couple or something like that. We were supposed to, and uh, we weren't able to make it work. So I am thrilled that this is happening and that you're here. And uh, we just watched season Three, episode 13, Mm -hmm. entitled The Americanization of Miko. And I chose this episode specifically for you. And and why is that? Um, Because when it comes to Japanese culture and (laughs) traditional values of Asian peoples, sure, you, Tim Williams, are... The uh, penultimate (laughs) uh, uh, authority. Uh, The penultimate... (laughs) Well, <laughs> yeah. Or it also might have been just the random episode that came up when you were right. here. And uh, I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that it was number 13 because number. it was hardly unlucky at all. And uh, <laughs> yes. Ep- episode 13. It was it was fine. It was good. Right before we started recording, you said it had been how long since you had seen you hadn't watched one in a long time. I have not seen an episode of The Facts of Life in it 
30 years. Easily. Easily. Uh -huh. Or more. Okay. Did yeah. you watch it in the first run? You're, you're a little younger than I am. So uh, um, I was nine years old in 1982. This episode is from 82. Early 82, yeah. So I was nine. Yeah. So. And yes, I was a Different Strokes fan. Oh, okay. And I, I, I don't think I made the crossover quite as much as you did. Yeah. But I did see several episodes. Yeah. And I used to watch Different Strokes, and once Facts of Life happened, I think I slowly lost interest in different mm -hmm. strokes oh, it was okay. fine it was fine whatever whatever it was but um, i watched it enough to know that um nancy mckeon was yes. just gorgeous oh you were into okay oh she was we, my favorite tim Had such a crush on her you are in good company because there are when uh, when i do ask my uh heterosexual guests mm -hmm. uh, the the few the proud there are not many of you mm -hmm. um well i'm glad that you assumed i'm heterosexual <laughs> exactly <laughs> i i had hopes of doing some research later but we will we'll get there um but as uh straight i'm fluid david i'm fluid and so um we well, we can talk about fluids later too mm -hmm. absolutely um as as a person who is has heterosexual tendencies among the the vast canvas of his experiences. Yes. It, it is surprising how many guys are into Nancy McKeon. Oh, uh, yeah. The strong, they, they don't gravitate toward Blair the Pretty One, mm -hmm. which you would assume. They always gravitate toward the, the pragmatic, tough, mm -hmm. realistic. Tell me more. Why? Oh, yeah. She was the female Fonz. Oh. She was the female Fonz. She was just cool. Uh, and, huh. and, yeah, and she... Uh, uh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking like I'm in an 80s sitcom. She had Matsy. She had... <laughs> Mox. Moxie is what I meant to say. Not Motsy. Like, <laughs> like matzo, matzo bread. Matzo. Matzo. No, she's, she's Italian. She's not Jewish, Tim. <laughs> if you were attracted to her Jewishness. <laughs> oh God. Oh. Uh, but no. No, it, she had Moxie. She absolutely. And yeah. that's a lot of a lot of guys are absolutely into that. So before we get into it, I do like to start by asking my guest, if you would please, mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of synopsis, give us just a one to two sentence, quick, quick elevator pitch, like what you would oh. find in the TV <clears throat> guide listing. Give us a quick synopsis of what this episode was about. Sure. Uh, uh, this episode uh, was about the girls trying to... Uh, um, uh, assimilate and Americanize mm -hmm. their uh, foreign exchange student friend, uh, a, a Japan, a young Japanese girl who did not sound uh, like she was from Japan. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk um, about that. Uh, 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 and uh, to the dismay of the Japanese girl's father, mm -hmm. who did not approve of her Americanization, and while wanting to conduct business with America did not approve of American culture and didn't want his his uh, daughter assimilated into it and so uh, you know bad things happen uh, the father tries to pull her uh, out of the school you're coming back to Japan with me no more <laughs> of this America for you and uh, but he's convinced by Joe oh, that how, angel how uh, how befitting and yet unusual <laughs> right that um, uh, you know that uh, everything is fine and that uh, she is uh, a beautiful strong independent young woman and she'll mm -hmm. be just fine dad and it ends on a happy note it does that was more than two sentences that was <laughs> that's okay i put you on the spot this is the that's... tv guide bible yeah <laughs> <laughs> that i that i'm are now you, are you saying the bible for. is long winded tim williams <laughs> 
How dare you? You're offending me and my religious, my heavily religious values. Good. As, as my fours of listeners are well aware of. Yes, thank you for that. So we're ready to, to get going here with the synopsizing the episode, Tim. It did um, not, I, I already did that, didn't you I? You did that, yes. But now, oh, we are going to dive <laughs> oh, so let's deep. let's do it. Let's... We are going to put such a fine point on every little mm-hmm. minute, every moment. So we start the episode with Natalie hurrying around the cafeteria, mm-hmm. manically trying to clear the dishes. Right. And Tootie saying, what are you hurrying for? There's no world record to be achieved or whatever. I got, I got to clean all these dishes uh, before, because, why? because of the concert. Yeah. I well, got to go to the rock concert. The, the rock concert. Because and she likes to boogie woogie. <laughs> <laughs> and There's such what, a charm to that old comedy, that innocent old comedy. Well, and you I got to boogie woogie. Yeah, and that's such an old person. We, we joke about yeah. often on, on this show about the middle-aged vaudevillian writers who yes. come up with these That's right. things because there is still such a, an influence of that mm-hmm. in the 80s. And you so know it's like, what's a funny word for the kids who like to... De- they like to boogie. Boogie's a funny word. So true. Maybe that's why, even though Joe's Italian, maybe that's why I brought up Mozzi. Mm. Moxie. I'm, gonna, it's, I'm changing it to Mozzi. <laughs> I don't. I a new word invented here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what the uh, uh, the Borscht Belt uh, comedian and comedians and writers say. It's Mozzi. Is now now is is Moxie? You know, it might be an Italian term. I want to say I don't. I would say I don't. I don't equate Moxie as being like a Yiddish or whatever. You want to have a? Like, why don't we have Google right? Like right here in front of us. If only we had a device where we could learn all world knowledge and have it in our pockets before the episode's um, out. Let's look up. The moxie. Uh, the, we can do it now. We can absolutely do it now. The totally etymology. Bastardized. The ladies and gentlemen, the etymology of the word moxie. Now, if this were Jewish borspelt Yiddish, it would be chutzpah. Uh, that's that's right. the word chutzpah. that I think is the equivalent. Chutzpah. And, and I just uh, got phlegm you, you all have to, over the yeah, mic screen. You, would you clean that before mm-hmm. you go, please? <laughs> oh, it's moxie with an I-E. That's yes. the problem. M-O-X-I-E. I I-E. With an I. With a Y. Um, okay. But what about Matsi? Matsi. <laughs> I'm not going to let it go. There, there is a young Jewish child whose mother, a flat-chested little Jewish girl. Yes. Because her because her, her boobs were as flat as a, as a piece of matzah. She called her Matsi. You know that exists somewhere in this world. <laughs> if it doesn't, we need to make it so. That's great. Oh, trademark for a soft drink with a strong flavor. Really? The word moxie did come from the soda. Isn't language wow. and evolution thereof fascinating? It is fascinating, and that explains a lot about Joe. She's got a lot of intense flavor, it's just... <laughs> I think, on the palate. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, yeah. Natalie says, I was born boogieing. Yeah. And Tootie says, I must have been a difficult childbirth. <laughs> Put him. There's your yeah. joke. The yep. set up the, the set up punchline. Yep. Punchline. Yep. Exactly. Well, uh, no sooner do we learn that there is this rock concert happening this evening. Natalie mm-hmm. is in a hurry to get her homework done to be able to go to the rock concert. That's right. Um, in comes Blair and this new girl, Miko. And uh, we have never seen Miko before, and yet she is very, very friendly with these girls. She is close enough with them that she and Blair go shopping together. And, uh, and Blair later, give, is giving her a makeover. And Blair's basically, yeah. And uh, the actress playing her, did you recognize the actress? I did not. That is Lauren Tom. 
learn Tom from? Friends. No way. Remember when Ross and Rachel were about to get together and Rachel went to the airport to meet Ross to tell him, okay, let's do this. Let's do it. And he comes back with the new girlfriend named Julie. And that's Lauren Tom. That was Lauren Tom. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is a pre-Friends Lauren Tom. And she does have other credits, but that's her biggest thing that people mm-hmm. would recognize her from. Doing an authentic Japanese accent is not one of them. <laughs> well, the uh, problem being is that Lauren Tom is a Chinese-American. Oh! So, I bet the watcher, the Asian watchers weren't too pleased about that. Well, back in those days, we were lucky that's, that they had Asian people playing Asian people. Exactly right. And uh, so... But that was one of the... That, that's one of the things that, that struck me while watching it. I, I thought, why? She's... she's not American. She's Japanese. Yeah. She's born and raised in Japan. She's, she's only just been visiting. Here six weeks. That's right. She's visiting, but she has a decidedly very not Valley Girl, but it's a very cute, very yeah, you completely know, Americanized. Yeah, Americanized. It's not. Hi. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. You speak the language well. It's like you're a fucking American. You're no, an American. Yeah. There was no, in, and uh, the, probably the standard would be like courtship of Eddie's father. The you know, oh, Mr. Eddie's a father. I am so glad that we have time to pierce the ears. Right. And that's, I think, where it could have gone. And probably better that it didn't. And probably better that it didn't. Yeah. Very better. Because we have um, her dad to cover the Asian accent coming up. And uh, and I and that is authentic, by mm-hmm. the way. We'll get there. Um, so the big reveal, not only have they been buying things, but Blair and Miko got their ears, ears pierced. pierced. And what? I remember in the 80s when my sister got her ears pierced. Like, I remember, you for, we are, we're so fucking, we were talking about how fucking old we are. Mm-hmm. And you think Well, about, you were talking I, about that. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember anything oh, no. about you that. You were saying nothing. No, <laughs> of course. Of course you weren't. Yes. Um, yeah, pick that up, Tim. Your face just fell. <laughs> now, um, but the thing of, I'm like, oh, that's right. When you were, when one was a teenager, it was a big deal to get your ears pierced. Like that was a rite of passage. It was a rite of passage. And did you ever pierce your ears I did. I pierced one ear. Me too. Uh, uh, when I was 18, as soon as I left the house. And same here. Tallahassee. Yeah, like right before year. I moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, same here. That was a that yeah. was a thing. And of course, left ear, don't, so they don't think I'm a queer or nothing. Uh, I did my left ear. God that's forbid. Right. But, um. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of one of those like, oh yeah, that's a big deal. So mm-hmm. then, let us consider, Blair says that she got her ears pierced also. Like, this was a thing they did together. Blair Warner does not have pierced ears. She is 17 years old. She has lived at Saks Fifth Avenue and Bloomingdale's. Right. She is a well, self-proclaimed fashion plate. Wasn't the rite of passage, though, for a tw- like a tw- like 12? When you're 12 or 13, yeah. you get your ears pierced? Yeah. Like, I feel like this is late. I, 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 that's what I thought. And in fact, I wrote in my notes, she got her ears pierced, question mark? <laughs> yeah. Now why is that? At, yeah, at 17, 18, that doesn't... Yeah. Now, if Blair a, a had... female, to, I guess. And the interesting thing is that Miko had them pierced twice. That was a new kind of scandalous thing in right. the 80s was mm-hmm. the uh, the punk culture was coming in and safety pins and pierced noses. It was like, the, you know, it was like our society was coming to a was, fucking yeah, end. It was, yeah, it was... And... Um, Fraying, yeah. <laughs> the 80s. Oh, those those tumultuous eighties. Tumultuous eighties. Yeah. Um, uh, but so she got her ears pierced twice. They make a big deal of. She gets two. What did he say? Ears. Her father. Did, did they? Did they make a mistake? Did they miss the first? Did time? they miss the first time? That's what it was. <laughs> but there is a sense of wow. That is jumping in the deep end, girl. Yeah. Now had Blair said, 
I got mine pierced for the second time. But Blair was acting like it was her first like it was her it was her first time. I, I just find that hard to believe. That's really crazy. I imagine Blair, like you say, twelve or thirteen or earlier. I figure her mother would have been dressing her up in pretty girl. I like, wonder if, if that was another thing that the writers actually sat around and debated. Like, do, what we need something a little, um, uh, not incendiary, but we, yeah. need, we need something a little uh, uh, controversial yeah. that these teenagers would do. So beyond, I mean, something other than do, having a tattoo. Yeah. Oh, true. Oh, right? That's, I don't yeah. think that would have come up. Mm-hmm. Blair and me go walk in with a tattoo on <laughs> a tramp stamp. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh dear! Oh, boy. Yeah, that would have been that would have they would have gotten letters. The, the right. network would have gotten That's what fucking I mean. letters. So I think they said, "Well, okay, they pierced their ears." Yeah, and um, have you gone back and looked at earlier episodes and seen if Blair had what, earrings? One, one would think that I would have, but I have yeah. not. Speaking of what uh, these beautiful women were wearing, yeah. Miko had on a members-only jacket. You commented. You you reacted to that. Oh, Tell yeah. me oh, about the oh, members-only jacket. Oh, members-only was when I was in junior high um, and, and even earlier when I was in the fifth grade, sixth grade, yeah. members-only was. That was that. Talk about a rite of passage. Oh, yeah. That was such a status symbol. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, Oh, it's so sad too. When I think about it too, it was that it was that upper middle class because they were expensive. Yeah, members only jackets yeah, were they expensive. Were like Thirty dollars. I, or I wanted one so bad, and I don't think my parents really wanted to afford one. Yeah. Um. Uh, I I think I eventually got one. Maybe by the time I was thirteen, I know I was in junior high when I yeah. had one. But it I, was a big deal. It I was. loved. I thought they were great. I think I had a knockoff. Like by the time I got to high school, but I was never. Maybe mine was a knockoff. Yeah, it might have been. There, there were a lot of them, but mm-hmm. the big thing was it was the jacket with the banded collar, mm-hmm. with that long strip that yeah. snapped over that you never snap. that you never that snapped. You never snapped. No, never. No, no. Cool people don't snap their fucking collar. <laughs> right. And then it had the weird epaulets and yeah. the little yes. bands, like the little. It was yeah. like a watch band on your shoulder. You know why I liked them so much? Because I was a Star Trek fan. Oh, I was a huge Star Trek yeah. fan, and uh, uh, especially once um, uh, Star Trek Two. Well, the Next Generation, but even before that, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Oh, you're right. Their, their uniforms were very um, uh, Nicholas Meyer, who directed the movie, made the, made it very um, uh, navy. It was so, yeah. it sort of had this naval theme yeah, to it, like even a, more so than the TV. Yeah, more, more militaristically, militaristic yeah. um, naval uh, as opposed to the television show, and and they all had they they all wore uniforms that kind of looked like yeah. members only jackets. Yeah, they were tailored oh, yeah, better. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I want one of those so I could be Captain James D. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> and and also we will say the fabric was sort of a not quite the same burgundy as the Eastland burgundy. Right. It was more of an eighties uh grayish toned down burgundy, but it was that polished cotton that, pop, that was yeah. brand new mm-hmm. that had never existed before. And it is cotton. But to the outside viewer, unless you walk up and touch it, it looks like leather. Yeah, it's, it was. It was it, like magic on your body. It, the future. Yeah, it was. Somehow they figured out a way to give it a sheen, and uh, they uh, had to remember the jackets that like um, uh, Don Johnson wore on um, oh, Miami yeah, Vice. Yeah, same same thing. That 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 the, the same kind of polished yeah. cotton. When yeah. when it wasn't yeah when it wasn't just that canvassy white right. Right. Because in Miami, it's fucking hot down there. Mm-hmm. Who wears a jacket that's, you know, right. made of anything heavier than gauze. Right. Kind of a sort of a thing. So, yes, you did comment out loud about oh, the great. members only. You were like, oh, my God. Uh, so another lovely 
uh, tip of the hat to her being Americanized wearing that jacket. Mm -hmm. And then she proceeds to unzip the jacket and she has gone, how much does Miko love America? She has an I Heart heart New New York York shirt, which was a fairly new campaign. That was a... That was a late 70s, early 80s thing. Yeah. That was an Ed Koch. That was kind of what turned the tides from the 70s when... During the, uh, yeah, the, the, the huge recession. Terrible. For, mm-hmm. Yeah, the 70s recession. Right. The 80s was a little When New York of, was begging to be bailed out uh, yeah. of bankruptcy. And, right, yeah. It was a mess. And uh, there is yeah. a commercial somewhere, I remember, that... It was just all famous people singing, I love New York. And one of them was the cast of Evita. It was Patti Lapone and Mandy Patinkin. Uh, and Evita was running on Broadway 80, I think it opened in 79. Yes, yes, it did. 79, so mm-hmm. 79, 80, 81. Mm-hmm. So I Love New York was still only a couple years new. I Heart NY as a design was not a thing before this period of time. People kind of That's, might think that it's always been there, but that was yeah. a specifically targeted marketing campaign that thankfully worked. So in addition, have we driven home the point that Miko is uh, Americanizing herself? Oh, no, we have not. She bought a fuck ton of cosmetics. She is wearing makeup and... Uh, $38 worth? $38. The natural look. The n- <laughs> it's what? Another funny, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in comes Joe, and Joe is yes. has her helmet on and her. Mm. Now Joe only wears like a denim she, jacket. She didn't have her helmet on. She didn't. No. Why did Miko have the helmet later when the dad came in? Oh, Wasn't she? She was like, carrying the helmet. Was carrying I think it? she was carrying the helmet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Joe comes in, and this is the point when Miko makes it very clear that yeah, well, for all of this shit, the one I want to be like is Joe. Oh, yes. And Joe is my ideal of a true American beauty. Oh, much to Blair's consternation. And they Blair, played that up huge. Yeah. And Blair said, <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm si-. Blair basically was like, I'm sitting right I'm here. Si- that, that, I thought the same thing. <laughs> All of her lines were literally, I'm sitting right here. I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but when, they, when she says true American beauty, Blair and Tootie... Bust out laughing in basically in Joe's face. They're yeah. like, a true American. What? Which is when Joe's <laughs> opportunity to go, I'm standing right here. Right. And you're insulting me to my fucking face. Yeah, they were being really catty, weren't they? Yeah. But then very quickly, um, the comic timing, though, of these girls cannot be underplayed or underappreciated. Estimated. Because... Um, when they're laughing, this big burst of sustained laughter, when Joe walks over and just glares at Blair and their eyes meet, Blair does this perfectly timed, <laughs> it's an interesting concept. Right. And that is the, the timing of all the girls is so exceptional when the jokes are well written. Right. Um, and uh, this is, we have a lot of Mrs. Garrett fun happening later. So, um, okay. Yeah, it's funny, you, uh, real quick, though, funny you mentioned the timing because I found it. I forgot how, and speaking of the old Borscht Belt um, humor, the vaudeville, the the, the, the writing um, that, that permeated. The Catskills. Uh, the Catskills. Yeah. It just permeated all of the uh, the sitcoms from All in the Family and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just all of them from the 60s to 70s yeah. and even into the 80s. There's a, there is a, there's, there was a pacing that does not exist anymore. And it just reminded me of how fast comedies are now. Mm-hmm. All, everything we watch now. Oh, yeah. Because of our attention spans, everything is so quick and just rapid fire. 
but there you could breathe between all of the jokes. You yeah. could even breathe between the the um, the setup and the punchline. Yeah. Like you can't do now. Well, here's you're, the thing. It struck me. It was really cool. Yeah. Well, I think what you're you're reinforcing that I've said many times is the facts of life was still in the era of the sitcom that only had one story. There was no A story, B story. That's right. You watch Friends. Mm-hmm. They had six main characters plus guests. You would have, you would often have three A, B, and C. Seinfeld was the same way. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld became, you know, like a breakneck, like farcical because right. things had to happen and intermingle so quickly. I'm going to have an Oreo. You do that. And, so uh, what happened next? Well, Tim, did well, we get to the Stray Cats? They're going to the Stray Cats <laughs> concert. I couldn't wait. The man to do with this. the green hair. Yes. So. Um, the, the eats la- his guitar. <sighs> what? Well, okay, we'll get there. We'll okay, get there. All right. Um, so the last word on Joe and uh, Miko's worship thereof mm. is that, and you get it. She says Joe is such a free spirit. She's such a symbol of independence, riding off on her bike, and and you think about it, she she is. She's the only she one of them who has transportation that mm-hmm. can go places and do things and function in a semi-adult manner, and um. So that's why Miko looks up to her and you're like, yeah, I I totally see it. Well then, ding dong, surprise, in walks Miko's dad, Mm -hmm. Mr. Wakamatsu. They did not pull any punches with saying, let's get a complicated Japanese name. Um, Mr. Wakamatsu, played by um, the Japanese actor Mako is his name, Uh M-A-K-O. Was he in Lethal Weapon or something like that? Or I'm thinking of some... He was in the original. Movie? He was in the original Broadway cast of Pacific Overtures. Oh, okay. Oh, That's wow. him in the original Stephen Sondheim musical, mm-hmm. and, um, and he is pissed. He is. But he, I'm not sure that he's pissed, but he's. They have set up. There are so many times people try to make jokes with him, and they clearly set up that he is a humorless man. Right. He's a robot. Stern. Yes. Tomo um, arigato, Mister Roboto. Tomo. Tomo. <laughs> Well, really? Yeah, he's 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 kind of cold. Yeah, I would have loved when Blair said "Ohio gozaimas, Mister Wakamatsu," mm. which is Japanese. It would have been even nicer if she said "Wakamatsu-san," which is how you say "Mister" in Japanese. Oh, okay. But the fact that Blair greets him in his language and he says, "Oh, you have been to Japan," and just Blair just mm-hmm. shrugs and rolls her eyes and says, "I've, I've been, been everywhere,", everywhere. <laughs> and we both laughed uh, out yeah, loud. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yes. <laughs> Um, we learned that he is here for some type of a business meeting. He works for this company called the Kajura Corporation. I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's K-A-J-U-R-A. And the only allusion to what the Kajura Corporation does is that Mrs. Garrett later does say, my trash compactor is a Kajura. That's right. And it works most of the most time. Most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and bearing in mind, this is the 80s. This was the big Japanese invasion in uh in manufacturing oh absolutely we didn't have the 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 scene in back to the future 2 when they're removing a broken part of the delorean and doc young doc brown says well of course this this piece broke it was made in japan and marty from 1985 is like no doc all the good stuff comes from from japan Japan. yeah and uh that was we were just on the The, dawn the toshibas and uh and uh and the vehicles like that was already starting in in the 70s the toyotas and the yamahas and the uh uh, hondas and yeah yeah, all of it yeah mitsubishi mitsubishi yeah Mm -hmm. that was a big thing so in spite of his humorlessness uh he has brought a gift for his daughter and 
he brings her, he's brought her another brand new <laughs> phenomenon that was culturally still kind of just breaking into being ubiquitous was a Walkman. Oh, a Walkman, right. a personal cassette. It was a cassette one. Yep. CDs didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But the idea of a little tiny cassette recorder that you yep. could wear headphones and listen to your own music. That's right. And put it put it on your hip. And on your hip. It yeah. wasn't a big stereo system you had to plug your headphones into and sit next to your record player. That was a big deal. I remember when that all started and the Walkman became a big thing. But naturally, putting the headphones on her, what does he see? <gasps> a pierced ears. Oh, that's right. And that's when he's like, what has happened to your... I'm doing a terrible... Uh, let's get it out of the way. I'm doing a terrible Japanese accent. <laughs> okay. This is a terrible impression of, of Mako in this role. And this is just how he talks. And if I'm doing a shitty job, mm-hmm. please know it is a lack of talent, not a lack of compassion for right. our Asian brothers and sisters. Um, but he, that's where it comes in. You, your ears are pierced. And she's like, yeah. He goes, twice did they miss the first time? And uh, pretty funny. But, you know, he does that two or three times, though, David. He, ma- he makes these, again, the Borscht Belt yeah. jokes that a humorless robotic man would never make. Mm. So when they come out of his mouth, they seem... Well, it seems like it's coming out of the pen of one of the writers in the back room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a little weird. Is yeah, because it... the writing was not sharp enough to be that, oh, well, he, he comes in and he's very stern in business and by the book, but he has a softer side. And right. we start to reveal that. We don't really ever get that. He's no. a two-dimensional character. Absolutely. And um, He's a Japanese businessman that thinks American culture is crap. Yeah. Written by American writers who think all Japanese people are business robots. Sure. Who want to take over our country. Yeah. And they did. Um, <laughs> all the writers also fought in World War II. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to point that out as well. Just making that, that That's observation. True. Yeah. Very, very true. Yes. It's interesting because I'm trying to think I only know a couple of people who are of Japanese descent and I'm not close enough with them that I uh, would have brought them here I I don't know that that's uh is that an American thing Mm. Uh, the whole idea Mm -hmm. of oh well Asian culture is deeply steeped in tradition and values and rules and all that stuff is that really the truth or is that just kind of what we think of it as um did that come out of thin air or is it based on truth that's actually a great that's actually a great point. I think, I think there is a bit of truth behind that, and 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 probably pre World War Two. Mm. I think even more so. Oh God, yes. Probably pre World War Two. Yeah, their 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 culture was a little more strict, and still is. I think their culture still is more strict and disciplined than ours. Yeah. In fact, the American invasion over there is of hamburgers, McDonald's, a lot of our food and fast food that yeah. we, that they've assimilated into their culture. It has given rise to a lot of health problems that they never had before. Oh, I Acne believe in it. their teenagers that, that they never really experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they, they have their own, I'm sure they have their own uh, version of, of rebelling teenagers and just like any culture. Yeah. But but that's a good point. I um, it's probably driven or, or, or played up a little more through yeah. our eyes. I don't know, and I wish I. Uh, I don't know. These writers seem to be steeped in a lot of boogie woogie, boogie woogie. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Hey, at least at no point there was no joke where the word Jap 
was in it. Oh, God. And it would yeah. not have shocked me. It would not have shocked me if it was somewhere, somehow, <clears throat> an innocent joke made with that in there. Well, uh, you know, I will say this, though. I'm, we, we've been bashing on the writers a little, and I actually made a note about this, and I thought I'd bring it up. The, the show on a whole, and it was in the scene that we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. the show on a whole was very self-aware of the entitlement of American youth um, and American culture. It, it was still aware of it. Now, it was being seen through the eyes of this robotic, um, disapproving Japanese father. But still, that means the writers also knew that we... There, there was still a bit of self-awareness that yeah. we're pr- perhaps a little spoiled... That we yeah. don't, we don't, we we don't live the way most countries live. Yeah, and um, these girls certainly going to a private school. A- absolutely, I so absolutely. I thought I thought that was a little. It was kind of ahead of its time in the sense that it was um, so socially conscious at mm-hmm. least. Also the the issues of, I mean, come on, the, just having, just having those four free thinking. I mean, they're they're clearly stereotypes or, yeah. or archetypes. Archetypes, yeah. But we've got you know four smart, free thinking, mm-hmm. independent women, quintessentially American. Yeah, quintessentially uh, and, benefiting from all the the privileges, all the all the good things that people, white people with wealth, well, Tootie mm-hmm. also. And, yeah, but um, but it was yeah. No, it, you're right. There ahead was of a, its time in that sense, <clears throat> and and you know, I, I think at one point too. Uh, he brings up um, the father brings up he says something very uh, uh, chauvinistic uh-huh. you know and Charlotte Ray says oh, oh, women you know so it was you know so dropping in hints of feminism even in 82 you know in the show is good yeah. God where are we we're only in the yes. first three minutes I know, of the really, this episode. is terrible this oh, is terrible God um, this is this is terrible in the most beautiful way in all the way. Um, so it is revealed they're all going to this this rock concert. This concert that Natalie has been talking right. about. Well, it's a concert they're all going to. They're taking a bus into the city. And they're going to uh, this concert. And he says something like, well, you need to change your clothes. That's not appropriate attire uh-huh. for... Uh, the jeans. The jeans are not appropriate. Uh-huh. And he said, the, And he says something like, the conductor... Of the concert would certainly not appreciate you right. wearing jeans. The conductor. <laughs> and, and she's like, no, it's not a classical music concert. It's a rock concert. And he's like, what do you mean a rock concert? And Mrs. Garrett <laughs> says, the lead singer has green hair. It's a good Charlotte Ray. <laughs> and uh, thank you. You were doing one earlier, and I expect it you was. to do it on everyone on this show <laughs> is invited to join me and do their bad Charlotte Ray okay. when you are inspired when it happens. All right. All um, right. The lead singer has green hair. Oh. And then it's like, what? And they say, oh, it's a new wave group. When you heard the word new wave. New wave. 82. Oh, my God. Well, what we, what cracked me up was they said new wave. David, follow me here. They said new wave, and, and they followed new wave with stray cats. The stray cats. What? <laughs> <laughs> the, fur, the furthest thing from new wave. I remember once. They're, they're freaking rockabilly pop. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like a documentary in the 80s. <laughs> Of them saying, and, you know, here's more new wave music. And it was Cheap Trick singing, I want you to want me. Like, that's not new wave. I think that there were just some people who couldn't think in narrow strokes. And the broad strokes was, if it isn't disco, it's new wave. Right. Any any other form of music that is breaking from this horrible uh, trend of disco that's been plaguing our radio airwaves, 
That was the sentiment at the time. Right. You mean the writers who were all born in 1930? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you, you are correct, Tim Williams. You win a prize. Have another Oreo. Um, so they, they, thank you. My, my sound engineer thanks you. And that's me. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, and then it's like, that they say, and then, um, isn't that the one who eats his, the lead singer right. eats, eats his, his guitar, guitar. and what? then says, he doesn't eat his guitar. He chews it a little bit. Chews it a little. Do, do the stray cats eat or chew on their guitars? I, I kept trying I, to I think. am not I as well versed in their music I, as you I, are. I, I love the stray cats. Um, uh, that's why I invited uh, you to this episode. But I was trying because to, of the stray cat. That's it. That's thanks. I, I retroactively thanks. make that and, my reason. And, and now I won't be able to remember a thing about any of their songs or videos. And that's the thing. <laughs> I kept going back into the rolodex of my mind and thinking MTV, 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 stray cats. Yeah, this is Did pre MTV. This is pre MTV. Pre MTV. But girl. stray cats were a staple on MTV. There are the fluids. There they are. Yes. Um, we'll make more. Mrs. Garrett. Mm-hmm. Oh, so then Mrs. Garrett invites him into the kitchen for a cup of coffee. The facts of life. The facts of life. <laughs> there it is. Oh, it was beautiful. Thank you. Um, we, we've had a longstanding issue with coffee on this show. Mm. In the parlor, which we did not see in this episode. Other than when Miko was on the phone, right. the payphones in the parlor, we didn't really see it. There is a big coffee vending machine from 1961, I think. Huh. Like the ones where the cup drops down yeah. and the yeah. liquid. Sure. So they have a coffee machine. You'll notice in the set, in the background, on the back wall of the cafeteria, there are these gigantic terrines that are coffee. They have the, the tube. So they're these big things that are clearly oh. for dispensing coffee. And we're like... This is a girls' school. This is high school. Did they serve coffee at your high school to the students? I don't think so. They did not. That to was a us. grown-up drink. Yeah. Nowadays, it's they didn't probably to us different. in 1988. No, and I, I graduated '86. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So no, coffee was a you know what your parents drank. Kids didn't drink coffee. But Mrs. Garrett <laughs> saying, uh, "Come into the kitchen for a cup of coffee." It's like really don't have enough in the in the. These silos over here, mm-hmm. and you don't have any. That we're just like, there's a lot of coffee for a show that isn't a place where coffee should not be a big deal. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he leaves to go into the this kitchen, podcast has been brought to you by Folgers. <laughs> Folgers crystals. Folgers crystals. Mountain grown and freeze dried to taste like shit. And um, Moxie. I, <laughs> and. <laughs> and Tim Williams Motsies. They're the Motsies with Moxie. <laughs> I can't. Um, my my voice is so shot, uh, and even on my best day, I cannot do. I cannot do your brilliant Tim Williams announcer voice. I wish I. I wish I yes. had those pipes. But um, um. So that is when he leaves. Is when Miko says <clears throat> he's mad. He's really mad. They're like he didn't seem that mad. No. He, right. he was, he I was know, mad. I inherently, the way he looked at me, he is pissed. That's what, I'm tell- that's what I was telling you. He might have seemed robotic, but he was angry. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the kitchen, and Mrs. Garrett is talking with Mr., uh, what is his name? Wakamatsu. And <laughs> Speaking they're just, of a lack of respect and ignorance, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kind of shooting the breeze, and there's another point where she makes a little joke, and he responds, nothing. And then um, there's talk about, uh, she says something like, uh, oh, that's a business management thing. 
he says, you know, stop popping in on workers in the factory. And she says, or your daughter while she's at school. Mm-hmm. That's a business management ring of quality. Or she gives, she throws out some, I don't think, real business philosophy term. That she learned from 60 Minutes and, and not from yeah, yeah. business And then school. he says, did you go to business school? Mm-hmm. And um, if she had said so, that would have been consistent because Mrs. Garrett has had 47 careers, sure. we've learned. Um, but no, she says she learned it from no, 60. Oh, from 60 Minutes. <laughs> From 60 minutes. Never, never stop. Never stop doing her. Please, Tim. Never stop. I love Charlotte, right? <laughs> and um, so uh, she, she, it was kind of a, I forget how it comes to it, but she was like, well, not everything in America is bad. And he's like, uh, Americans do two things well. <laughs> Hamburgers. And, the, and they're the second best. Baseball. baseball. Second best at baseball. baseball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, okay, hamburgers. Yeah, hamburger is technically what's considered under the category of of an American food. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, newsflash, hamburger is a German food. Hamburger, as in from the place called Hamburg. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, or like wiener or wiener dog, or they use the the term wiener. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it's wiener. Meaning from Vienna. It's a Vienna sausage, a Wiener. Well, we've done that with hamburgers. We've done that with spaghetti, uh, which everybody thinks is Italian, but was actually Asian. And we've Mm -hmm. done that with uh, pizza. Pizza. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, this this is the inappropriate cultural appropriation. Absolutely. Inappropriation. (laughs) There it is. You're welcome. America. There, there, there was always Gilbert and Sullivan and operettas, and then we had musical theater. Yep. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? That brings up a bit, and 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 maybe uh, today more than ever, it's important. Th- this idea of pizza and hamburger and even musical theater, um, all these things being quintessentially "quote unquote" American. Yeah. We um, made them. Yeah. Yes. And why not? Because America is immigrants. Yeah. America is Europe. America is, is every yeah. every culture from all over the world. So, True. of course, our culture is going to be this mishmash and this amalgamation yeah. of... Apple pie. That's uh, that's French. That's uh, Dutch. Dutch. That's and, everything. Yeah. That's from all over Europe. Apple pie existed long before America so did. So, I, I don't know. I guess I'm saying, especially now in this discussion of, of you know, go back to the country you've come from and, and, <sighs> and white nationalism and, and no immigrants and build the wall. It's like, no. Yeah. Everything that you think is quintessentially American is universal. It's the world, man. Mm-hmm. We are a mixed salad. Yep. And our culture and is uh, just, even if it's not appropriated, it's just sort of, it's brought over yeah. by hardworking, lovely people who changed it into something quite unique. Yeah. And so there's my, uh, that was my soapbox. That speech was your soapbox speech. Yeah. Do you need today. to refill your water? Yeah, I do. So the last uh, moment in the kitchen is the only moment that they give. Uh, Mr. W. I'm just going to call him Mr. W. I don't have I don't have the time or the energy to pronounce that name the rest of the day. Um, so disrespectful. <laughs> and to that made up Japanese name. Yes. Yes. And so she says, Mrs. Garrett says, you can't just raise children like they're on an assembly line for cars, and at the end say, oh, here's the Toyotas. We are driven. 
Which was a slogan of the time. Yes, it was, but not. And then he corrects her and Toyotas. says, "Yeah, he says we do not believe in that." And and he says, "No, Mrs. Garrett, you are wrong." And she says, "Oh," and he says, "Yes, we are driven. It's Datsun. Toyota is oh, what a feeling!" Throwing his hands up in the air, and there's suddenly this this moment of of fancy and lightheartedness, and you're like, Where "What is that come happening?" From? <laughs> And and we never did see this again. Did she slip him something? That's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. That there are moments where he is this two-dimensional character, literally two dimensions. He's got mm-hmm. he's got uh he's the voice uh, he's the he's the, the mouthpiece stern. of stern father. Yeah. Uh, and 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 an oppressive Japanese culture. Yeah. Uh or he's just this comic uh, that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, it's, it they could have integrated that. It was weird. You know, on second <clears throat> thought, David, this was a weird episode. I don't approve. I don't weird. approve. Miko decides she is going to go to the concert anyway, mm-hmm. against her father's wishes. <gasps> mm-hmm. End of scene. Then we go up to the bedroom. And they're hanging out. And uh, the concert's already happened. They've all had a good time. And... Uh, in a conversation with Joe and Miko, Miko's like, so can I drive your bike? I want to drive your bike. I want to ride your motorcycle. And Joe is like, no, no, no. It's my baby. It's my, this is, we know that Joe and the relationship with her bike is special. That's we right. haven't gone there much the last few episodes. It was nice to kind of re-strengthen that. And uh, then we have Natalie coming in on her Walkman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm a middle-aged vaudevillian rider. What do the kids listen to on the radio? Mama, mama, mama. It's like. It was. Oh. Listen, she only did two things this entire episode. And both of them were going, oh, baby. Yeah. Mama, mama. Yeah. I'm it's, boogie woogie. I'm boogie and yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It was. I, it, I, I, we have to pause one second. Way back at the beginning. Very yeah. first scene when she was cleaning up. Yes. Never a fat joke about Natalie. But when she was quickly cleaning up the dishes, what did she do? Ooh, perfectly good cookie. Oh, and right. eats the fucking cookie. Yes. Yeah, their mm-hmm. loophole to, we never did a fat joke about Natalie or Mindy Cohn. It's like always a food joke. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Natalie is just boogieing around on the Walkman, singing loudly to herself this neutral, nondescript mama, mama, mama song. Right. Is there a song from 1982, Tim Williams, that you can... Uh, from the pantheon of American pop culture music that had lyric, ma 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 ma. 1982, not so much. The only thing I can think of right off the top of my head, with mama mama mama, is Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, mama right. just killed a man. Right, yeah. but she didn't go into the just killed a man. No, no, we we didn't um, put the gun against no, his head. I, no, but again, boogie and mama. Those are 1970s. Boogie, boogie. A boogie mama. mama. That's a 70s term. These are the these are the you know. Um, <laughs> You know, when I was at the discotheque 10 years ago, when I was 40, um, it's like, anyway, um, it, it is what it is. And then Mrs. Garrett comes in and another laugh where she comes in and says, uh, Natalie, you need to get downstairs. And, and Natalie interrupts it with a, hey, mama, 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 again. Right. It was a funny moment. It was funny. Um but uh, Charlotte Ray did a mama, mama, mama too. Oh, that's right. And then she, she says, and then she grabs. That's right. And then she grabs the earphones yeah. and is like, "Would you get downstairs?" And then her exit line, "Mama, mama, 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 mama." Yeah, there it is. 
Like she knew what she was listening to. Well, I guess she heard her say mama, mama, mama. Nothing funnier than a middle-aged woman trying to sing like a young person, I guess. There's the comedy. Um, And she also is coming in to tell Miko that she has a phone call. Mm -hmm. Miko goes downstairs, cut to Miko on the payphone. She is distraught. Why? But father, you can't make me leave. It's clear her dad's pulling her out of the school. Of course he is. Yep. And then we go back up to the bedroom and... Uh, Joe is up there with, I think, Tootie and Mrs. Garrett? Yes. At which point Tootie says, oh, Joe, you did let Miko ride your bike. And Joe is like, what? Because mm-hmm. looking out the window. She's looking out the window. Mm-hmm. So the big reveal is that Miko has taken off on Joe's bike. Yep. And she says, oh, there go your, was it her marigolds? Her, yeah, it was some flower. She, some flower. She, she, she destroys the flower bed because she doesn't know how to ride the bike. And Mrs. Garrett says, again? Again. And you laughed. <laughs> oh, because I don't know. It was just, <laughs> I loved well, it. Well, here's the funny thing about it. <laughs> She's destroyed your marigolds. <laughs> again? <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. I'm I'm wondering if that's a, a throwback to the very first episode that Joe was in when Joe first rode up in her bike. And she says, that's my bike out there. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, and it's parked in my marriage. That's, that's what it is. So that's got to be. It's, it's got to be. It's allusion to yeah. season two, episode one. Uh, so I assume that's what it is. So um, all we hear. So Joe runs downstairs and you, you hear the sound of a motorcycle and Joe runs downstairs and um, somehow somebody says, Joe, are, are you sure that that's your motorcycle? And Joe turns oh, back yeah. over her shoulder and says, a mother knows. Beautifully. It's delivered. another uh, laugh out loud. Beautiful. Um, so, and the last thing is you just hear Joe yelling, Miko, no. And you hear um, motorcycle sounds. And Tootie looks at Mrs. Garrett and shrugs and goes, sayonara. Cue the clap track. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the episode. Miko has taken off on Joe's bike. Okay. So now this is where I like to get to know my guest a little better. Tim Williams. Yes. That's... Think of this as your um, Inside the Actor Studio interview. Mm-hmm. Where were you born? Lakeland, Florida. And uh, where did you study the art of acting and performance? Uh, at uh, uh, Winter Haven Community Theater, at mm-hmm. the Pied Piper Players and Lakeland Community Theater, uh, uh, at Lakeland High School, and then um, the University of Central Florida, where I graduated with a BA in theater arts. Wow. Um, I'm going to say you and I, uh, I had known you before we worked together. Mm-hmm. I was a tremendous fan because you are one of the, uh, you are one of those Shakespearean actors. You have a very uh, incredible affinity for performing the works of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And whenever I saw you, back when I was just a fanboy, I was like, he looks like he's just speaking everyday conversation. You make Shakespeare sound natural. That there, It's not oh, wow. florid language mm-hmm. or whatever. You, you make it so natural-seeming. So I was already a fanboy, and then you and I did an audition together. We were auditioning for a fringe show. You had already been cast, mm-hmm. and I was reading for a role opposite you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm reading it too. <laughs> I don't know. Is, oh boy. is there dirt under his feet that I could crawl under? Because oh, that's wow. where I feel like I belong right now. And the greatest thing a person can ask for is a great scene partner. Yeah. And 
being nervous at an audition and reading, and it was a good script. It was it was Matador, Christian Kelty's oh, Matador. Right. Yeah. I looked into your eyes in the audition, and it was, I have everything I need right now to do this scene. Oh. So having a scene partner where, oh, this... It, it just felt so natural. It was a it was a kind of a deep, heavy confessional scene of two brothers, um, you know, kind of bearing their souls to each other. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, that felt so easy. He made it so easy to do that. That wasn't. It, it's well, that's a great compliment. Thank um, you. That means a lot. It's a it's a completely abstract concept. Of, it is. It's it is just a testament to your talent. Your talent is this thing that is. You know, it's out in the ether. It's in your aura. There, there's something they they call um, the same idea as stage presence. When yeah. I say so, so and so has stage presence. Yeah. And that's that's something too that I'm not sure is cultivated or or yeah. even learned. It's just a. a you got it or you don't. So, and, and comedy so, is the same yeah. way. We've talked about. Yes. I I mostly have comedic actors here. Yourself, absolutely included. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like trying to teach, I think Joey Anderson said, you can't teach funny either. You get right. it or you don't the right. timing of, uh, of these jokes and all that. But, um, you are somebody once said, I believe it was Christian Damon who started calling you Orlando's own yes. Tim Williams, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because you are really, really, and I think the highest echelon of talented actors like if you can use this person use him if mm-hmm. he's in a show it's gonna be great it's uh, I'm, I'm sorry to be waxing your car this much this uh, can get okay. this can get embarrassing <laughs> i know sorry. no I, but I, I, I just want to make it clear that there was a time i i didn't know that i could inhabit the same space as you the mm-hmm. same room as you and, and we've ended up working together for and, years. And then we ended up working together. And I for directed years. you. And in you Sunny in the Park directed with George. me in yeah. Sunny in the Park with George. We acted together in Laughter in the Twenty Third Floor. Mm-hmm. We've been on stage. Oh my gosh, you were in my um uh uh, uh the uh, Macy's um, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Miracle on Thirty Fourth yes. Street. You've directed forgot me about, twice. Yeah, I forgot about that you, show. <laughs> oh, I loved you in that show too. You, I thought you were fantastic. Um, so what so happened? Next? I think I've I've waxed your car enough that. I am so thrilled You've to call my car you. enough that the fluids are the fluids, spilling out the of waxing, it. and the fluids. We you have a I mean? lot to do. Oh, yeah, well. So, thank you for being here. Bottom line, and it is very cool <clears throat> that great. I consider you not just a colleague but also a friend. Because there was a time you were, uh, you were an untouchable deity. Oh well, for heaven's sake! But thank God I got to know you, and I don't feel that way about you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Or was that okay? That didn't come out right. That no, came out very. <laughs> it's, it's perfectly true. Oh, oh, quickly, quickly! Just one more thing. I, I demand this. Um, name a commercial from the era. Boom! A commercial that you associate with your childhood or with this show. Any commercial, a vintage commercial. Uh, squeeze the shaman. Ah! Or please don't squeeze the shaman. Oh, go, that's what it is. During the daytime, when I'd stay home from school, I was mm-hmm. watching my mom's stories, which were uh, a guiding light and. Um, uh, 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 days of our lives. Stories. I love that people. We. I'm from New England. We never call them stories. That is such a Southern thing. And uh, and so there. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't squeeze the Charmin was was huge. I mean that was. Oh yeah. It was a big. Huge. Yeah. That was a huge campaign. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And no one has said that one before on this show. Awesome. So thank you. You're welcome. So let us come back from our commercial now. Mm-hmm. We have learned that the bike is severely damaged. <laughs> Miko, S- squeeze the charmin. It'll give you matzi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, sorry. Moving on. God, we got to move on. Yep. Miko <laughs> shows up without the bike, and Joe is like, 
where is the bike? And Miko's right, like, right. basically, Miko's like, I wrecked the bike. I took it to a shop. And $462 for bike repairs. Yeah. Do you know how much that is in night? I was going to ask. Do you know? I looked it up. Awesome. $462 worth of damage to the motorcycle would be the equivalent of $1,226.30. Holy shit. Today in August of 2019. That's a lot of money. That's $1,200 of damage. Mm -hmm. Like that's... That's almost a, that's almost a total for a motorcycle. Yeah, I mean for a cheap motorcycle. If, yeah, yeah. If your car needed twelve hundred dollars worth of work, I'd be like, "Fuck!" Yeah, that's awful. So yeah, totally. Uh, Miko says that's she's awful. very very sorry, but, but she can get the wholesale, the parts wholesale in Japan. <laughs> no, she does not <laughs> no, say that. She does not. Racist. <laughs> but um, only against yes. Asians. But Mrs. Garrett does glean that Miko ran off because her father was taking her out of the school. That now becomes known and knowledge about them. Uh, Miko says her father will probably pay for it. So Joe is still very, very sad. Next scene, we start with a gigantic sandwich. Mm -hmm. It's Miko's last meal. So they're building her a A Dagwood. Dagwood. A Dagwood sandwich. Tim, would you please explain where the term Dagwood sandwich comes from for our well, uh, listeners under the age of 70? Yeah, Dagwood is from the uh, the Archie comics, correct? Am I, cor- am I correct nope. in saying... No? Nope. Dagwood... Um, Jughead was the one who ate the big sandwiches. Oh, okay. In that thing. Dagwood so is... Dag- Dagwood? Dagwood is the comic strip. Blondie. Blondie. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Blondie's yes. husband is Dagwood. Yes. And kind of like the... Uh, the um, Joey Tribbiani equivalent. Joey right. on Friends loved a sandwich, and Dagwood loved a big sandwich. And, and it's it was piled thick. high with thick with with tons of meat and cheese, layer after layer after layer, yeah. with a piece of bread and then another. It's almost like three stacked sandwiches. Yeah, it's right. huge. Right, it is. That's it is right, Blondie. Blondie. I, how could I forget? I used to watch uh, 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 Hagar the Horrible. Oh yeah, Blondie. Yeah. Uh, circus. Beetle uh, Bailey. Uh, Family Circus. Family Circus. Beetle Sun- Bailey. Sunday I, Comics. Oh yeah, were absolutely. The shit, man. Huge. They, they were like the television of paper. <laughs> I'm, I don't know what that means. It was <laughs> awesome. Um. <laughs> don't snark. That's don't a great. Snark. That's a great drop. Yeah. The television of paper. Okay. <laughs> um, so when Mrs. Garrett and I think it's Tootie are making the sandwich, Mrs. Garrett says, well, maybe we can convince him otherwise if we can just be reasonable and sit down and communicate. And then Mr. W shows up. Right. And um, he's like... And Here, he communicates. And he communicates, I'm taking my daughter back. And she's like, well, maybe we could. He's like, nope, nope. taking her back. Yeah. My mind is set. And she says, yeah, your mind is set in concrete. So then uh, Joe walks in, not realizing he's stand- sitcom trope. Yeah. Just yeah, talking yeah, yeah. freely about something and a person is right standing there. Behind them, she yep. says, well, Miko really did do a number and they're at the bike shop and they need their money, yada, mm-hmm. yada. And he's like, what did Miko do about your bike? What are you talking about? She's like, oh, well, here's the thing. She damaged my bike, and it's mm-hmm. this is what the bill is. So at that time, Miko and the other girls come down from the bedroom, and he says, I'm sh- I will pay for this. He calmly says, I will pay for it. And he says, Miko, I'm sure you're very ashamed for what you've done. That's a very Japanese word. Oh, yeah. Ash- or at least we think it is, right? Yeah. <clears throat> According to Americans, yeah. yeah. It's a big the, Japanese he, word. He did not use the word dishonor. You have dishonored your family. 
but he might as well. Have he may, well, yeah, because exactly. he said, "A shade. <laughs> Here is a knife. You commit harikari <laughs> right now in front of your friends." <laughs> Sorry, offensive. We are horrible people. Moving on. Um, so they say, look, Rico made a little mistake. Mm-hmm. Other, you know, we, we learn from our mistakes. Other young girls have made mistakes and they start naming famous people. Oh, so-and-so said that mm-hmm. she made some mistakes. So-and-so said that. And he it's says... My favorite, uh, my favorite chauvinistic line. Yeah, he says, I am well aware that women make mistakes. And Mrs. Garrett says... <gasps> women... <laughs> It's, it was great. It was like, how many syllables was, women? At least four. At least four. Because I thought the line, I, I thought the line was, uh, you know, the line was funny because he's supposed to be a chauvinistic character. Yeah. And, um, and that's a thing that we presume about their culture as well. That, uh, and, and honestly, many, many foreign cultures, mm-hmm. particularly in the 80s, had not for Jesus, you don't have to look past our own backyard. Exactly, right oh now. God, as right far as, now, yeah, yeah. Many, there are so many misogynistic cultures out there, mm-hmm. and today, like you said, and the, back the in those line, days, it was a safe assumption. Right, and I, I think, I think, the, for 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 comedic value, the line was funny. For me, it had a deeper meaning that was that was rooted, you know, in 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 that in the feminist, yeah, you know, discussion we were having. But it was really. It was so cool that she had that reaction. Mrs. Yeah. Garrett had that reaction. Yeah, to women make yeah, absolutely. That's, but that's this is the time of you know women's lib. We're kind of still riding that wave, mm-hmm. and we haven't even gotten to I mean the real corporatization of America and women having higher corporate positions and the the, the power suits with the sneakers mm-hmm. walking through you know the streets of New York to their big time jobs right. and all that. That's still yet to come. We're still in the middle of that. Um, he says, well, tough shit, pack your bags, you're coming home. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And he walks out of the kitchen, and and he leaves Mrs. Garrett as a little meltdown. Yeah. And the two words, that man! She's, Mrs. Garrett is riled up. Like, we've yeah. never really seen her right. riled up. Yeah. And um, she's about to go out and and give him what for, as they'd say in the day. Because he is cold, he's a robot, he's Japanese, and he's misogynist. Yes, exactly. It's like, fuck this dude. (laughs) I think she says, I'm going to go out there and tell him something about talking and communication. (laughs) And Joe is like, calm your jets. Yeah. Slow your roll. Let me do this. Let me, yeah. Hey, Mrs. Garrett, let me do this and take care of it. And lovely. We get a scene with Nancy McKeon being... The voice of reason. Oh, God, it How was great. How far Joe has evolved yeah, over was, these couple of seasons. It's it was beautiful. And Joe says to Mr. W, look, please don't send her back. I know you're worried about her losing her heritage. I have heritage, too. I'm from the Bronx. Yeah. And very comedically and truthfully, truth in comedy, she says, sometimes being from the Bronx seems more foreign than being from Japan around this place. That's a beautiful line. Yeah. Beautiful. And she says, I'm not losing who I am here. And if you'll give it a shot, I will make sure I will look out for her and I will make sure she doesn't lose it. I'll be the one that kind of takes her under my wing. Yeah. And he already knows how much she, Miko she, she, uh, idolizes, idolizes her. And he's got a great line too then. A beautiful uh, line. And he says... Oh, you don't remember? I don't remember. Line. What is it? Oh, he says, uh, well, as long as, as, as she has friends like 
you. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, my daughter has made some bad decisions. She made some bad decisions. Choosing you as a best friend is not one of them. Yeah. How perfectly syntactically Japanese. Right. <laughs> that's 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 Yoda talk almost. Oh, but it was it. it you know, it was yeah. just yeah. It was sweet. It was a nice moment. Really sweet. And then uh, Joe even says, "What do you say? Give it a shot." And then when he... But that's what, right? But that's, that's ultimately why he gives the shot, right? Because it really, he gets what Joe has said earlier. You are an example of someone with heritage, of someone who is proud of your heritage, as someone who has held on to your heritage. Yeah. You're smart. You're sitting here convincing me. Yeah. So if... And if you're that, going to be looking out for if, my daughter. If that's who's looking out for my daughter... Then she's fine here. Yeah. America ain't that bad. Sure. Uh, uh, and and it's ironic. Go Marka. But yeah, no, Marka, still, yeah. it was. It was, yeah, but, yeah, but it was that, great. You're right. That's beautiful. But at the same, and it's so ironic that it's Joe, the, the unrefined character from right. the bronze. She's the fish out of water. That's right. In this school, yeah. and uh, that's that is the quintessential done. American. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey. And when he says, when he agrees to it. <laughs> One person in the audience gives an awe. I heard that. You hear this yeah, one stray awe in the silence. Oh, I, it's like, I laughed. I laughed. We both laughed at that. <laughs> and then Mrs. Garrett comes back into the room. I can't be silent anymore. I've just got to make you see the reason. At which point, they're like, girl, yeah. calm the fuck down. Yeah, we, we handle it. We've got it. We, We've got we, it taken care of. We did it. But she takes the credit. And then she's like, (laughs) I knew you would see the light if I just spoke to you. And yeah, it was so, I mean, Charlotte, Mrs. Garrett, I've always said her comedic choices are questionable. Mm -hmm. She's great when she's the nurturing mother. And you would have expected her to have had that conversation with him at the end. The fact that they, that Joe is the one, that's a lovely departure. And they this, could have swapped those. Uh, that's great. That's so true, David. They could have swapped those roles. Exactly. That could have been the unrefined, hey, 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 sticking yeah. a foot in her mouth and being, you know. Yeah. Right? I'm a, yeah, I'm going right? to punch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch his lights out. out. I'm going to yeah. punch his lights out. It, yeah. They could have totally swapped those roles. Yeah. And they and, didn't. No, that's this was the smarter way to go. I think so. And, and yeah. it works. And Except for Charlotte, uh, uh, Charlotte's, Charlotte Ray uh, is, Charlotte Ray's uh, timing. Yeah. But, she's, but the thing is, her going that over the top... And it being supported by the story. The facts that she's, of life. Yeah. And, the facts of life. <laughs> but the idea of, you know, the, the idea that it's the male chauvinism that right. is what lights the fuse. That where pushes she's her like, over the edge. Are yeah. you God? And you realize this is the first and only TV show in 1982 to have an all-female cast. Yeah. This is a historic yeah, show absolutely. where everybody in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. No one's got a dick. Yeah. That is historic. That's that's what I mean. That's a, that's that does not escape me, and that's why I, I think that's my comment earlier about being self-aware mm-hmm. of the, the entitlement of American youth, being self-aware of some of these um, uh, the misogynistic themes of just thinking that the girl needs to listen to her father. Yes, and you stop stop dressing in those jeans and stop putting on that makeup it's not just about american culture it's about you you yeah, know male dominating that's female that's right that's there's, right yeah there's, absolutely there was it's a not lot a mother of that it's not a mother and a son yeah that's yeah there's a lot of self awareness and uh, uh, totally ahead of its time yeah which i think is great i, I think so and then the last <clears throat> bonding moment between mrs garrett and mr wakamatsu i don't have to say that name again thank you thankfully is uh, 
uh, he mentions, I saw you making that big sandwich. And she says, oh, yes, this is probably the most racist Japanese thing that we do in the show. She says, oh, we call it a Dagwood sandwich. And he says, oh, in Japan, we call it a Godzilla sandwich. I would bet they don't they probably have a Godzilla don't. sandwich yeah, in Japan. Don't. I'll look it up to verify. But then he says, but you were making it wrong. And she says, what? And he says, and she says, will you start with a layer of olives? And she says, then I put the cheese. He's like, no cheese. No cheese. <laughs> and when you think of it, Asian culture, Asian food, mm-hmm. not dairy. There's no, no dairy right, right. really going on. You don't, get, you don't get cheese on your fried rice or your, uh, your sushi or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was consistent. But then he says, um, then you put on the sardines. And Mrs. Garrett's like, Ugh. and this shows you how times have changed. He says, unless you have octopus. And the audience erupts yeah, in laughter love at, it. at the concept of octopus as a food. Was No one had ever heard of that. Calamari was not right. a thing. That mm-hmm. hadn't, I think that literally did not exist in this country in right. 82. So when he says, unless you have octopus, and the audience is like, Wah! and she reacts and is like, <laughs> I'll find sardines. <laughs> and and then they all applaud. Everything that was wrong is right again. Now right with the Miko world. gets to stay at Eastland, and we never, ever fucking see or hear from her ever again. Really? She never comes back. And I found Lauren Tom very appealing. And mm-hmm. for performance-wise, she fit right in yeah. and became a part of the tapestry of the show. You believe they were friends. Mm-hmm. There was It was really nice. She didn't feel like this outsider stepping into it all. They, they Would, could have maybe Wouldn't it have been interesting? They, I'm surprised they didn't. She could have been another, you know, archetype. She could have yeah. been another character that, that also... Mm-hmm. In another well, non-white, to, another non-white person. A, another non-white person, but I was going to say it could have backfired too if you just have this um, non-white and also non-American. Mm-hmm. So oh, that that's she, true. She gives the, uh, international, the pers- international, the international, flavor. or not just flavor, but perspective. Yeah. But unfortunately, it would be a perspective written by Americans. Yeah, right. it would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, and back, you wouldn't want to perpetuate those. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. in my country, our, you know, we eat our dogs after they die, and <laughs> right. we would be like, no. <laughs> Red flag, red flag. Tim Williams, thank you David so much Alita. for being here. Thank you. I am so happy we were able to make this uh, yeah, work. Yeah, me too. I hope you had fun. I hope you might uh, come back and do it again I sometime. would love to come back and do it again sometime. I did. I had a great time. And um, I wish you the best of luck and lots of Motsi. Okay, in, lots of... In your future. You got Motsi. <laughs> thank you. <I laughs> and we're going to leave you on that. Goodbye. Goodbye. And there you have it. That was Tim Williams. Loved getting to hang and gab with him. And we gabbed a lot. Recently, guys, these recording sessions have been out of control with all of the extra gabbing that I've been doing with my guests. Uh, Mostly me doing the talking because of my over-talkativeness. But (laughs) there are nearly uh, 30 minutes of extras on the website. If you enjoyed hearing Tim, there's more available there, just like there was uh, a lot of extras with Laura Hodos, with Joy Anderson. I'm I'm enjoying my guests too much. I think that's just, if we need to pinpoint the problem, that's what it is. And that's a beautiful problem to have. And uh, there is one correction before we finish. (sighs) I can't believe I did this. I forgot to look it up. Lauren Tom does appear one more time as Miko. It's in, I think in like five more episodes, it's the one called Runaway. It's 
where Tootie goes into the city, separate from the girls, and uh, is almost recruited into sex work, meeting this young girl in this diner. And it's uh, one of the more serious episodes, um, and I cannot wait to get to that one. And uh, once again, point out that I screwed up here, saying that we only had Miko in one episode. It was, in fact, two. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 3, Episode 14. The episode is called The Marriage Brokers. And my special guest is going to be actress, comedian, singer, Robin Kelly. I cannot wait. So excited. She and I have been trying to coordinate for months, literally months. So this is very, very exciting. That's all for this week, though. Thank you so much for listening to the show, as always. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.